Personation of the Brahma deity Brahma Sahampati. Very convincing impersonation. <laughs> of the great over the supreme deity who asked the Buddha to teach out of compassion for the world. Unfortunately, this kind of spirit continues in various forms. And the teaching of the Buddha continues. So we begin the Dhamma talk, always paying uh, homage to the Buddha, uh, the awakened. That kind of that kind of reference. So awakened is uh, is beyond. It's not about liking or disliking. There's a there's a very powerful word Buddha. It's, it's been overused, but it's a very powerful word. What does it mean? You know, what state is awakening? Is it happy? Is it nice? This is only quality is, is total clarity and, uh, and there's no, nothing uh, there's no it's not a feeling it's not a mood it's not a kind of idea it's not a kind of psychological construction yeah, so it's it's the, the the clarity comes from deconstructing the these uh, conventional realities. The Buddha's realization of Nibbana, saying there is a place that you cannot go beyond. It's, a, it's called the total ending of any kind of suffering. The total ending. This is Nibbana. These are these are powerful. Um, References, and uh, the Buddha was someone who didn't, wasn't just able to speak them. He knew he realized them. So coming from the personal experience, when there's a lot of teaching going on, it's, it gets so that one can kind of, you know, form patterns out of the ideas. The most important thing is to be able to, to, wake up. Uh, this can be done through very simple means. Uh, it depends on your your own karma, the, where your where your knots and where your attachments are, how what what works for you. But essentially, it's to begin to get enough stability to see uh, the conventional reality, which one feels enmeshed in, um, enjoys, and yet somehow is unsatisfied by, to see it for what it is. See the, the, the way that it's, it's, uh, it's empty, it's, it's insubstantial, it doesn't contain anybody, there isn't anybody trapped in it. It's just uh, unknowing. And out of unknowing, out of that not knowing, arise, dependent on not knowing, arise all kinds of mental karma formations, mental activities. Um, 
expectation, anticipation, security, belonging, owning, having, liking, disliking, pushing, getting away from, accumulating, losing, birth and death. These, these are the kind of uh, experiences that happen based upon that. In this um, time of this retreat, we get a chance to look at some of the, the elements of our experience in close-up. Form is one of them. Experience of form, something we can see with the eye. And then we can touch. There's a shape or a form to it. Form of, so the form of one's body, form of the breath. There's the visual forms, the appearances around one. Seem to be three-dimensional. Seem to be substantial. You look at one of these forms, visual forms, it looks pretty solid. Uh, that's an inference, isn't it? Really? You look at a, a movie and the movie comes up on a screen. You know it's a screen. You paid to see the movie. You know it's a movie. You know it's a screen. <laughs> you know it's just light. Within ten minutes, you're in there. You're involved. Yeah. And there's, this, there's the terror, the horror, the glory, the sadness, the poignancy, and you're in there. And then the, the credits come up, and you're still shocked. You know, <laughs> Final. There was never a moment, never a moment when it was not anything but a movie, and yet you're in there with it. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? It's not even a millimeter thick. So that, where's all that happening? You know, emotionally based, psychologically based. You know, there's a, there's a, we grant a lot of permission, or. To, to make things substantial. So where are we today now in our lives? You know, it's, it's, you know, mind, our reality is based upon certain patterns, isn't it? You say, well, it's Sunday. It's the well, second day of retreat. Um, it's snowed, it's cold, it's Barry, Massachusetts, it's here, you know, these kind of things. And yet really, where are you in that? Uh, are you Sunday? Where's your Sunday? What's the essence of Sundays? You know, and you, you recognize that the these things are just made up of, of pure conventional um, things, elements. There isn't a Sunday. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, there isn't really, you know, you try and go outside and get hold of Barry, Massachusetts. Is it the snow? Is it the tree? Is it the road? You can take any of those away and it will still be there. Yet so, but yet you could pick it up and say, well, that's, you know, that tree, that rock came from Barry. That's definitely part of it. And yet it's so, so these things that make up our reality are, you know, are purely named that way. You go and the tree is part of Barry, Massachusetts, but it doesn't matter if it wasn't there, it, Barry would still be there. If you took the tree away, Barry would still be there. And yet... You know, that's somehow, that's how it's named, that's what it's built up. It's built up of things that we know actually are not it. So we, you consider your uh, own body, is, so you know, you, this is your body, so the hair, when you cut your hair off, you know, you know, skin changes, you know, you maybe even kind of lose an organ. So which bit? All of it, some of it, 
is made up of bits that we know are not ourself. The mind, which your mind, which one is it, the happy one, the confused one, the righteous one, the sad one, which one? <laughs> Any one of those that we recognize as such, you recognize, oh, this is, there's the happiness, there's the sadness. Once you recognize it as such, oh, that's not, it's just something that's happening to me. When we don't recognize it as such, then, oh, I am, I am this, and why isn't it that way, and that, so on. When it's seen as what it is, then we know, oh, this is not what I am, this is something happening. And in that state, that seeing, we see that the experience of self is made up of things that when they're seen are clearly not self, not oneself. Mind states, body, feeling. Which feeling is it? The pleasant one, the painful one, the physical one, the mental one? It's a continual kaleidoscope, isn't it? So we think, well, you know, if feeling, particular feelings, body is not myself, uh, mind states are not myself, mental patterns and habits are not myself, well, then myself is the thing that those happen to. That's what I am, and this is what those things occur to. Okay, you found it. So, t- <laughs> so tell me about it. What is it? This, this self you found, what, what is it now? Well, it's, it's, you said it's not a body, it's not a feeling, it's not a mind state. So what is it then? What? And as soon as you try to, to find it, you experience that state of wanting to know. You get a mental pattern comes up, (coughs) trying to understand, trying to know, trying to consolidate it, trying to get to it, trying to hold it. So then what happens? Something else is manifested that is just another particular energy and form that arises, is held for a while, doesn't quite make it, and then passes away. That's not it, is it? So as soon as you try to, as soon as the, the desire to find, to know comes up, then that seems that actually obscures that, that uh, awareness. Awareness, anya, the knowing. When the knowing is moved by, uh, when this awareness is moved by the, the, the desire to conceive, it becomes thought. When the awareness is moved by the uh, desire to to relate, it becomes an emotion. When awareness is moved by desire to 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 substantiate things, it becomes a self. When the the interest in making a stand, being something comes up, then awareness becomes a self, becomes I am this. I don't know quite what I am, but there's this kind of I, there's this I aming happening. And it, and that shifts around. So in the teaching of the Buddha was really about the process of cessation, stopping, relinquishing, letting go, giving up. So there's never really in, in Buddhist teaching any kind of statement about um, ultimate reality apart from there is and it goes beyond patterns and it goes beyond conventions and it goes beyond, it's a gone beyond something that you it's gone beyond and you can't get beyond that it's where the mind has stopped where those inclinations those needs those energies have found their stopping place. They're resolved. They're not repressed. 
They're not pressed down and repressed. They're not uh, abused and disliked. They just are resolved. They have, uh, they're satisfied. They've seen. They've been, they've been consumed in, in understanding. You have to use the system to get out of the system. And everything, so that the, the experiences we have, the mind states, the feelings, the forms, the physical experiences, the psychological experiences, are all fine. Um, and but they are there to be vigorously um, employed for understanding and for strengthening. So even the unpleasant experiences, rather than being something that we use to feel unhappy about, we use these things to, to complain about or unhappy about, can be used to make us strong. The unpleasant experiences are things we can grow strong with. We can develop resilience, patience. We can, it, we can um, realize that things that we don't want to bear, we don't want to bother them, we don't like, you can bear. And if you stop resisting and and feeling negative about things, then you know the unpleasant things take us out of these the, the our our shrunken ability to bear with things that we don't want. The immature mind doesn't want to bear with anything it doesn't want. I don't see why I should put anything I don't want. Why should I have to put up with anything I don't want? <laughs> Everything should be fine for me. I don't want to waste my time with things I don't want. <laughs> so, you know, that that is not going to get very far. No strength. Maturing is just that the things that we don't want and don't like, don't see the point of, and aren't interested in, and there's something to learn there. So instead of just going into that, pattern, that kind of shrinking away pattern, just to, to bear up, to lift up. And then you can see that the, the thing that you don't like is nothing. It's just the compounding the, of one's resistance and one's insecurity and one's emotional habits. So it's often the stuff that you don't like that really gives you the opportunity to see where the not liking is coming from. Expectation, anticipation, habit, me. Things that are purely nebulous, ephemeral, fickle, unreliable, unproductive. The most important thing is to be able to really experience your disliking and your aversion in a totally committed way. <laughs> don't be embarrassed by it in the least <laughs> uh, and just, so you've got to really approach some, some of these things and question them they can be energizing you lo- one loses so much energy resisting and doubting experience and so much energy can be gained by investigating experience it's the for the wisdom aspect of the practice, then the primary energy source is inquiry. What's happening? Where is this thing? What is my relationship to that? Why is it like this? Where's the holding? Where's the release? There's something you can learn out of this. You can learn where the lock is and you can learn where the letting go is. And for release, it's that simple. It really is anything more than that. So the point of realization and awakening is just that simple between holding on and letting go. And um, the 
retreats and conventional situations such as these start to to crystallize karmic patterns uh, in us. Uh, the karma, the residual karma, the, the pattern, the psychological patterns, the emotional patterns start to, once you put a human being into a, into, a, into a fixed situation such as this, where one is made aware, or that awareness is, is certainly conduced, or a lot of the distractedness is taken away, then the karmic patterns start to, to crystallize and form. And these are actually... Um, allies towards liberation because they really put you on the spot where you can't wriggle out of it. You have to actually look at what's happening yeah, and investigate it anew rather than favor or, or this or feel one's getting somewhere or feel one's getting nowhere and just kind of go into that habit. I am this, I'm not that. I could be this. Why aren't I that? That kind of thing is 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 a, a great loss on the spiritual path. This is where the the teaching of the four noble truths is a always to rather than seeing things in terms of using. Well, the sense of self as a reference point. It's to see where is there uh, the arising of this dukkha, this un- this misfit, this a sense of um, dislocation, stress, dis-ease, lack of harmony, suffering. Mm. Where's that? What's causing it? What are the energies? What are the assumptions? What are the expectations? What are the, the reality structures that support it? Can those be seen? Can those be recognized as, as activities that we, that we keep activating? And seeing that, stop doing it. Stop acting in that way. Stop putting on that that. Uh, blaming, worrying, doubting, fearing experience. This is definitely possible. Awareness when it's We've seen how awareness can be programmed. It's programmed by various kinds of uh, desire to understand. You get thought. Desire to relate and feel. You get an emotion. Mm. But these are the say the the negative or the the confusing um, conditioning. Then you get conditioning which is more productive. It's still conditioning. So when awareness starts to refer to things, this is called mindfulness. So you just actually, awareness beginning to refer to something in itself. This is, this is form. This is a body. In itself, not what do I feel about that, whether I like it or not, who does it belong to, you know, not the whole kind of, commentarial interpretations but just how is this what is body what is form how is it in itself so when we're practicing with something like mindfulness of the body going to what what is the bodily experience that the body experiences in itself and you rather than the visual experience or the mental notion of one's age or one's shape or one's whether one's feelings about how attractive or unattractive one's body is. Just uh, body doesn't know that. Body knows physical sensations. 
pulses, rhythms, flows. So referring it to, to that, referring body to that, to a pattern of experience. And it's by itself, it's neither good nor bad. It's just what it is. It's just like that. So in, in that, when you do that, there's a kind, there's, although that, that's in fact very immediate thing to do, quite, it's not that difficult. One of its primary um, functions is to refer, instead of referring to, to things in terms of self, to begin to remove that reference point. So you have specific experiences and the way that the, uh, we, the, the meaning comes out of referring a specific experience to a notional absolute of some kind, some notional thing. So normally experiences that, we, that, that occur refer to a notion of self, such as, I don't like this, I don't want this, I like that, I shouldn't be this way, I should be more like that. This isn't me, this is me. So even if we say something isn't me, we're still using that particular reference, aren't we? So you get these kind of convolutions of, of this is myself, this is my not-self. <laughs> <laughs> and the two, two forms that this um, self-view, self-reference takes is either being something or being nothing. I am the unconditioned absolute truth. Well, I am, or you know, or I, I, I am this body, this form, or I am something other than this body and form. This body and form is something that happens to me. I am not it. These feelings, so I may not be a body, but I have the tendency to experience embodiment. <laughs> um, I may not be a feeling, but I have the propensity to feel. I am that which feels. Feelings other than me, but I am the, the tendency to feel. I am, the mind states may be other than me, but I am the awareness that mind states land upon. That's why I am. So you get these kind of things, which is um, an unnecessary. Addition. And yet one that's extraordinarily difficult to, to stop doing, to stop seeking. So the deconstruction of that is to start building up patterns that deliberately refer to something else. Because the mind or always works in terms of patterns, in terms of time, space, increase, decrease, aging, up, down, so on. That's what it continually picks up. It picks up those, those things, that, patterns. So you begin to look at patterns or establish patterns that are not about, that don't include self. So patterns of sensation. Just sensation as uh, like the continuing flow of the breath. We call that the breath. that flow of sensations, we call it the breath. But it isn't the breath. It's just the flow of sensations that we call the breath, you know. They give you the impression of being that way. And when you're sitting here, you get particular sensations occurring. You say, oh, I'm sitting down. And that's useful. But those sensations aren't sitting anywhere. They're just sensations. Useful to have, so you know whether you're sitting down or not. One of the monks was telling me he was having difficulty getting up in the morning, getting out of his sleeping bag in the morning. So you've got the one alarm clock and two alarm clocks. 
going into the two alarm clock league, getting up, you know, and then you get to the three, <laughs> you know, you're in trouble. Here you got to the two alarm clock state to get up. You know, one morning, alarm clock went off. He got up, he knocked the alarm clock off. He's very pleased with himself. Went down to the shrine room, got there for the time for the morning chanting. Did the morning chanting, listening, did the chanting, incense was offered, chanting, bowed. Oh, he's really pleased with himself. Sat back, sitting there meditating, feeling, oh, it's really nice, feel very peaceful, calm. Sitting here, this is great. This is easy. It's funny. The sensations in the body. That's funny. Doesn't quite fit. And then I'm still asleep. <laughs> those, those sensations are lying down sensations. And then opening eyes, seeing roof, ceiling up ahead, up above him, realizing, blown it again. <laughs> But if he hadn't been able to detect those sensations, he might have been there to, might have missed the meal. <laughs> so such things have their uses. They <laughs> tried to maintain that kind of awareness and so using awareness, inclining awareness towards reference, this is mindfulness. Well, mindfulness, because of what it is, does not refer things to, um, to self, doesn't refer things to substantiality, doesn't refer things to desirability. And these are the three references that stick the sticking points, desirability, which always gives rise to the, the, the notion that you could have and that once you, once you had, once you have that, you'll be better than you were when you didn't have it. And that which you don't want, you'll be better when that thing goes away. And as we all know, it isn't quite that way. Uh, and you follow that habit, then of course the, the desirability of something else comes up, and the undesirability of something else comes up. So the state of achievement of this optimum um, you know, mode that we expect will arrive through desire doesn't actually come around. And you keep, it keeps getting pushed further and further away you can actually live in really quite comfortable situations and still feel lacking and inadequate because you haven't actually the desire mechanism is still operating and pushing you know further ahead and then the undesirable things you know so we desire never appreciates anything Desire is the inability to appreciate. It's when the, the awareness gets always deflected towards dissatisfaction. It always picks up the dissatisfactory. And so that, this is what desire's about, cravings about, and aversions about. But as long as awareness continues to, to illuminate and and crystallize around this experience of dissatisfaction, it can never find peace. Now, it's not because things themselves are undissatisfactory, but because your awareness deflects to that. And you notice particularly, you know, the way that the mind works. So of the many things that we could feel blessed by, the thing that's annoying you is the thing that becomes the bullseye on the target of your life. 
Have you ever, you know, been been in pain and ill, and you thought, oh, if this would go away, you'd be so happy. And that moment when it stops, the pain stops, you think, oh, wonderful. You know, you've, maybe you had some terrible backache for a year or something like that, you know, and, and finally after, you know, various kinds of healing, it, 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 it just be so glad to not have that dreadful pain in your back anymore. It's all you want out of life, <laughs> to be able to have a pain-free back, and then, it, you know, then maybe it's gone, and you're happy for, ooh, ten seconds. <laughs> and then, before the next kind of little itchy thing comes up. And it seems extraordinary that when one's in pain, all you can think about is just, you don't want anything else. You don't want a sports car, you don't want a holiday, you just want that pain to stop. That's all you want. And when it's gone, so what? And you envy people who don't have that pain. He's walking around, you know. <laughs> She's able to run, you know. She's able to sit at ease. How lovely, how grateful, how happy they must be. And they're all grumpy and complaining. But desire doesn't appreciate anything. So, but one can actually deflect, you know, if you're you can use your, you can cultivate and deflect your attention to appreciate. You can do that. It's possible. It, you know, it takes some effort, because the the default is the is the default is this mechanism of craving, which always looks out and and crystallizes and makes something unsatisfactory. So exercises just in appreciation in looking at or attending to. Anyone has a relative degree of health. There are bits that aren't hurting. <laughs> Nobody's attacking you. you know? Nobody's threatening, beating you. It may not be rapturously exciting, but you know, it's nobody's torturing you. You know, it's to appreciate the non the non torment. And the non-bullying and the non-punishing, rather than find your mind just stuck onto, but he keeps sniffing. (laughs) 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 She wears that squeaky zipper jacket, you know. You're stuck on that. And if it is like that, then really look at, if your mind does stick into that, really investigate that. So there's the sound, you know, or the, what's the problem? What, what actually is the resistance to that? So that because of that resistance, the resistance actually attracts your attention to the thing you resist. The resistance makes the thing you're resisting dominant in your mind. Whereas if one was able to accept it, then the resistance goes, the thing no longer dominates. So when, you, when you're in these situations, then you think, oh, I'd really like to hear a nice, a nice squeaky jacket rustling. <laughs> you know, I'd, like to, you know, I'd like to hear the symphony of coughing. <laughs> and uh, you know, really like opening the mind up and extending. And then, no, oh, you're not, not suffering, not struggling, not suffering. And you can experience that, that you're extending awareness, so it's not a, not a deluded state, it's a full-on conscious state, it's, an, it's a deliberate state. So you're bending your awareness another way, instead of into these patterns of, of dissatisfaction and suffering, into something that's actually more embracing, open, extended. It's not cramped. So, just being able to, to, to do that, it, you know, just get, get that hint and practice with it. And when you, you use something like that, then 
in a, uh, that can be a meditation exercise so that then your mindfulness has the opportunity to refer to what actually is sound where does it occur what is you know what is the feeling what is the psychology that it stirs up and referring to those things in themselves rather than whether one shouldn't have or should have these I shouldn't be angry, I shouldn't be irritable, I shouldn't be ungrateful, these kind of things. This is, you know, let's get a bit of resentment going here. And, <laughs> and you know, what is it about? And it's this kind of tangle of, oh, I don't, you know, it hasn't really got a core to it, apart from its own irresolute unknowing. It's all based on this kind of irresolute unknowingness that's sort of trying to find something, trying to be something, restless quality. So then it resists things and it holds things and so on. Ignorance, not knowing, is conditioned into clinging, clutching, trying to be, becoming, and then suffering. The substantiality of things. When you contemplate or you bring your attention onto the, the, the present, the way things are present for you, you recognize that first of all, that things that are, when you're, when you're present, when you're really present, then the, the things that are present with you are changing. They're not the same as they were an hour ago. But when you, you're not present, when you look at it in abstract, then those things seem to be permanent. This is my life. I am the same as I was 10 years ago. This is my name. This is who I am. That's looking at it with hindsight, and that's an abstract thing. So that's, that's the language of convention, is it the abstract language of virtual realities. I am this, I am that. We talk about these, these things as, as if they're substantial. We say the sun comes up in the morning, goes down in the evening. Well, you know, it's baloney. The sun, sun doesn't go up and down. <laughs> but conventionally speaking, it's, it's, you talk about it like that. And really there aren't any Sundays and Mondays. But conventionally speaking, we talk about it like that. In the present moment, there are no Sundays and Mondays. These things are, are, are not relevant to that. So just uh, like really abandoning in this retreat those kinds of, those ways in which reality gets structured in terms of continuity of time, substantiality of time, like linear time, going somewhere, was somewhere, will be somewhere. When you buy into that, then you buy into the that pushing energy to get, to have, then the feeling that one isn't yet and it won't be or I think I'm going down. And, you know, that the, there's the, the nervousness or the dread or the sense of incompletion, which is incompletion is, a, is something that comes with time. Time is always the incomplete. So the future is just an, an endless incompletion. And the past is a beginningless incompletion. You can't say the past began on the 23rd of August <laughs> and the future will end and such and such a date. It doesn't. It just, you know, those, those concepts just imply incompletion, beginningless and endless. So when you, if you buy into time as a reality, then that's what you experience yourself as, as that which is never complete, never good enough, never here, never achieved, never fulfilled. Always kind of getting along, but really there yet. 
Do any of you feel that you're good enough? <laughs> or is it that kind of thing behind you? You're not quite good enough. You know? So re- referring, you know, when you get a, a pattern, the time is a pattern, you get a sense of, of substantiality. And substantiality, you know, I am this, I am solid, I am moving forward in time, or I am, you know, I am this particular body, I occupy a place, I am substantial, is actually buying, which seems to be the place where, where everything would be really fixed and solid and steady and stable. The irony of it is when you buy into substantiality, you buy into insecurity, vulnerability and incompletion. If you think you are this body, then you've got to keep protecting it. You're vulnerable. You don't want to lose bits of it. You don't want it to change. You don't want to get sick and lumpy and bits drop off it, do you? (laughs) (laughs) There's that horrible feeling that that probably might happen one day. Little bit's going to get cut out of it and bits of plastic popped in and, you know. <laughs> so when we buy into substantiality in bodily terms, then you buy into that. You buy into the, the feeling of it's going to break up. You buy into, in, in, into vulnerability. When you buy into substantiality in terms of time, I'm a continuing entity of time, you buy into the feeling of I'm not yet, I need to be, will I ever be, I wasn't, but I could be, how will I be? You buy into that experience. So substantiality in terms of place or time is unsatisfactory. It's not, and it's not true. It's manifestly not true. You know, it's not true. <laughs> when you look clearly in the present moment, you know very, very clearly for yourself it's not true. But just bringing your attention, you know, getting out of that habit of, of seeing things in abstract, of, of making these conventions more than they really are. So it's the th- you're just the way that the thinking and the emotions are geared up to the conventional reality. So they keep saying these things to you over and over until you actually start believing in it. And then bringing your attention to the present. There's no time here, is there? There's nowhere to go. Not, it hasn't come from anywhere. You experience a, a kind of a continual flush of sensations that pop and flush and flurry around, but there isn't anything substantial there. You try to, you know, trust in that. And here you have a conventional experience, this retreat, one where you can you know, you can incline into that. Dare to incline into that. Dare to not progress and not become. Rest in awareness, just in this pure awareness in the present. And when we are dealing with conventions such as body, then start to really be fully attentive to that and and start taking it apart or recognize that it comes apart in the present moment. It doesn't stick together at all. So this experience, this awareness in the present of recognizing the relativity and the change and the flux leads us to the experience of of emptiness. And emptiness is not barren. It's this delightful transparency of conventional reality, where the heart is emptied of clutching and seeking and holding. The other uh, continual reference is to self, I am. So here we begin to cultivate that mindfulness of what are the 
what things can be taken as self, mind, feeling, body, psychological patterns, karma, defilements, virtues, attainments, failures. Open up to them. So we begin to see through body and feeling. Notice how why how does feeling become self? When it's not when it's not really squarely experienced, when we kind of flinch away from it or take it for granted, so pleasant feeling when you coast on it, when it's not really you know, brought into awareness. We either take we take it for granted and uh, it becomes a sense of of oh, you know, I feel okay. And when, you, when that happens, then what will occur is there will be the loss of that. So a pleasant feeling is something that is defined as the absence of, of painful feeling. And any diminution in pleasant feeling is called painful. So any way in which pleasant feeling declines is oh 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 <laughs> yeah. a painful feeling is just the the absence of, of pleasant feeling. Yeah. So they in a way they kind of need each other. If there was no such thing as pleasant feeling, there wouldn't be any painful feeling either. It would just be the way it is. So, but when there's a particular feeling is happening, there's this thing, oh, is this, do I like this? Could be other than this. It was like that. And now it's like this. You know? So it's that habit is what sticks it. So look at the resistance to feeling or the treasuring of feeling. The, the, the assumption that one can be fed by feeling. That pleasant feeling will actually feed and sustain. It doesn't. It's like candy floss. You don't have to reject it either. But to 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 recognise that. Mm. So we can also probably more more powerfully experience that a sense of of self around uh, karma formations, say the, the, the habits of mind, the habit patterns of mind. You know, if anything is self, this is what it is. You know, here we go again, this is me. That's, that's, the, that's the core of it, isn't it, the karma formations. So practice is twofold. One is the, the, the checking of karma formation, so the, the, the non-engagement, the non-acting on those. And in fact, beginning to, to relinquish and reverse one's habits around karma formations, around desires and urges and despairs and habits. So that rather than getting, you know, this is something that... that Instead of getting your habitual reactions to your to your habits, you start to look anew, afresh at the karma formations. Here's my agitation, and then the, the feeling comes. Oh, what should I do? Oh, my agitation. Here I go again. Oh dear. And, and <laughs> you know, maybe it's it's sort of welcoming it, like, oh, old friend. You know, now I know where I am. I've met you again. Uh, <laughs> so that that that. You know, actually applying a different kind of energy to to the karma that occurs, rather than feeling you know stuck with it all. The with the karma formations, with past karma, rather than you know think of it rather than you getting free from it, it should get trying to get it free from you. <laughs> so rather than thinking, how do I get out of all these kind of karmic habits? You know, it's more looking at the other way around. How do these karmic habits manage to, to get rid of you, who are always, you know, complaining about them? 
and and fussing around them and doing all these numbers on them. So the, the, that that so it's an intense self preoccupation that that paralyzes our our awareness into just basically uh, forming more karma formations on top of it. In meditation practice, you get a chance to work with some of these tendencies. Being patient with the restlessness, just really enjoying restlessness, fully going into that experience, rather than thinking you have to kind of get rid of it all. When the mind is dull, you can actually get references to dullness. It's when you try to make dullness sharper and clearer than it is, rather than then you, there's always this struggling with it, but just con- contemplating dullness in, in, its, in a physical reference to that. What actually happens in the body? What is the energy about? And so the, the, the real hindrance is this not wanting to know, avijja, not wanting to contact, either feeling inadequate or feeling guilty, or feeling ashamed, or feeling this shouldn't be happening. So that is, that is the primary hindrance, and not wanting to, or not feeling one should experience these things. You put that aside, then you develop, the skillful means will develop. And in a retreat is often a situation where finally you have to own up, you have to come to terms with the, the karma formations, the dullness, the restlessness, the irritations, the neediness, as they are, rather than you know, protect oneself from them. And really be very willing to, to enter into that. So instead of referring always to... Uh, an idea of oneself or what one should be or could be or ought to be. It's referring to this is a feeling, this is energy, this is, you know, what, this is karma, this is this kind of volitional stuff. And volitional stuff, which is karma, has the possibility of being changed by fresh volition. So when the volition is negative, bringing around positive volition. When you have a, a negative affliction, then bringing around a positive uh, energy towards that. This is the way that these, uh, some of these hindrances can be transmuted rather than just kind of pushed away. So our, our reference, in, and this, this is a, in a way it's a kind of an act of faith. Again, it's a, it's a daring. It's a taking a chance, instead of referring to me, self, image, past history, expectation, and the shadows, the shadow self, which we don't want to be, but it's kind of comes up behind the, you know, the, the image of the self, is this sort of shadow image, instead of referring to those, refer to things as they are. This is a feeling, this is body, this is a volitional karma, this is a particular pattern, of a psychological pattern in itself. Instead of referring to things as being you know, solid and substantial, refer to things as they actually are. This is momentary, this is passing, this is arising now. Instead of referring to things as, as uh, um, desirable or undesirable, this is like this. This is a feeling. This is an interpretation. This is the, the primary inclination of awareness. Mindfulness, wisdom. So you, you, if you, to direct awareness in this way, to deconstruct some of these realities. And when reality is de- deconstructed even momentarily, even that momentary point when it, you drop, then rest in awareness. So then even something like mindfulness and wisdom 
are still an inclination of awareness. Once one has penetrated or dropped a particular attachment or sticking point, penetrated, then just allow the awareness to rest. So you, you get the experience of pure awareness, of knowing or anya, is, is enjoyed, appreciated in the mind. This is very important. Because otherwise it's always like, you know, that, that one can always be caught into this feeling that you have to keep doing something. And then even something like mindfulness can get captured by the sense of self again. Doing, working, making, getting free, becoming something. Uh, mindfulness is only a tool towards rest. Complete rest. Release. of sharing and aspiration through the goodness that rises from my practice may my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue my mother my father and my relatives the sun and the moon and all virtuous leaders of the world. May the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly indifferent or hostile. May all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing. May all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nirvana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge, unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble Lord, the Sangha is my supreme support through the supreme power of all these. May darkness and delusion be dispelled.